pickaxe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Steve always makes us wait like this so that he can emerge. He can make a big thing about emerging from the back. Welcome to One Life Left Live at GDC 2015. It's our third show. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I, I am very hungover, so I mean, I, you know. I guess you can tell how experienced we are at this with the sparkling repartee, that yeah. immediacy you yeah. just exhibited there, Cara. Yeah, yeah thanks. This is bouncing off each I'm other. I'm a professional. Did you have a nice night last night, Cara? I did. I painted myself with fluorescent paint and jumped up and down for a long time. And you were DJing, weren't you, as well? Yes. How did, did that go? Any hits? Uh, yeah. You play the classics? I played all the classics. I played Britney Spears, really? Nicki Minaj. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, was good. What, was the, what song went, went down the best with a video gaming audience? Which song went down the best? Where did you see the crowd jumping? Uh, they really liked Azalea Banks. Really? Yeah, they were into How it. How were they dancing? They were ba- badly, I think really? is the term for it. Oh, yeah. Cara, did you, did you drop any fat beats? Dropped fat beats, yes. We'll yes, you... you're in with the kids. You're down with the kids. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm hip to the streets. Yeah. That's the voice of one of our guests. We'll let you know who that is in a second. We haven't actually started the show, Steve, have we? That, that as an intro, I thought was... Uh, you want to redo it? It left a lot let's to be start. desired. Uh, <laughs> Why don't you start? Uh, no, let's keep going. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was just that you didn't take the time to introduce yourself. Do you think I should do that? Okay. Uh, my name's Steve Curran. I'm Simon Byron. I'm Cara Ellison. Um, I was thinking uh, that actually what we should do... Um, for today's show was uh, presented using a sock puppet because the, the internet seemed to like that. You really, really pull up punches on all the jokes as well. That's right, yeah, okay. make, make, make jokes. Uh, Steve, you didn't see what happened with Tim Schafer at the awards last night, did you? I didn't see. Can he you... did um, an anti-Gamergate joke, and uh, Gamergaters didn't like it. Really? Yeah, they really so didn't they like it. They didn't such have a, a sense fine of sense of humour, you would have... <laughs> exactly. That's so the, the final voice we've just heard, uh, we were going to introduce shortly. Frank, welcome, Frank. Hi, hi. Frank Savali, good to see you. Thanks, thanks for coming on. So, were you at the awards last night? Uh, I was not at the awards, though uh, I pretended to be when I saw Tim. Okay. 
John, were you? Yes. Uh, rock, paper, shotguns, John Walker, by the way. Hello. For the official invite. Uh, so, so you were in the room, were you? I was live, disappointingly tweeting it. Okay, so tell us, uh, tell us about it. What was it like? What, the whole event? Yeah, well, the, 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 um, obviously it was, uh, we were there to celebrate the games, but the, the, the talking points seemed to be Tim Schafer using a sock puppet and uh, the standing ovation as well. Yeah, so I would say, um, I, I, as you know, whenever you let me guess on your show, I like to avoid controversy. <laughs> I would say that Tim Schafer uh, did his very best to avoid saying any jokes about Gamergate <laughs> and pulled every punch he possibly could. It was very, I was very disappointed in that. Um, the standing ovation was something kind of beautiful. It was a lot of people standing up to say it's not okay. I would like it if every developer and every games journalist who was standing on their feet last night actually said something in public too that would be that would make a significant difference oh but then they might get doxxed that's true if they've got a winky they'll probably be fine darlings um can you talk us through some of the winners of last night um yes i can uh uh uh, shadow of mordor won in the game of the year game of the year and here's the thing it deserves it it's a really good game it's not, it's, it would be, it's not the most innovative game, it's not the most exciting or novel game, but it's actually a really brilliant, fun game to play, and the Nemesis system is something that needs to be copied in every other third-person action game for the rest of time. And yeah, well done them. Monolith, Monolith really pulled it out of the bag, and I'm no to the snark about their winning, I say, no. Good stuff. Frank, what were you doing last night? Uh, during the awards? Yeah. Uh, I was at dinner with, with a client of ours, uh, actually, I'll just say it was it was, uh, it was one of our producers at Microsoft. It was a fine dinner. I ordered uh, I ordered a plate that had pork in three different forms. <laughs> so there was like a smoked pork chop. Okay. Delicious. A little too much fat though, but I just didn't eat that part. <laughs> um, and then there was a like sort of fried pork cutlet with some mustard on it. Very good. And then they said there was pork sausage, but all I got was sauerkraut with literally two bites of pork kind of <laughs> mixed in it. So. I don't know if they forgot the sausage, and uh, I was too intimidated to ask. Is this a usual GDC uh, experience for you? Three types of pork? Is that something we do every year? Uh, I I try to get as much pork in me (laughs) as I can during the Game Developers Conference. John, what have you you seen during the show? Can I tell you my favorite moment of GDC this week? And I think think it captures what GDC is in the most beautiful way. I was walking with William Pugh of the Stanley Parable to uh, go interview him. And as we were leaving Moscone, uh, I bumped into Brenda Romero. Now, I've met her a couple of times before at the show, and so I stopped to say hello. And John Romero was with her. I've never met him before. But I was all, like, acting cool, like, of course, it's John Romero, whatever. Um, And so I introduced William to them, because I'm stopping and saying hello. So I introduced William. I said, this is William Stanley Parable Pew. And John and Brenda Romero both go, oh, wow, brilliant, that's amazing. I love your game. What's happening is William Pugh, who uh, has basically studied the life of John Romero and studied his work for all his life and just, like, couldn't have a bigger, more uh, obvious idol, is meeting him and not going, oh, my goodness, I love you, but actually getting told how much his game meant to them. What an amazing <laughs> and perfect GDC moment. It was just oh, it's beautiful watching him standing there, his, all his cool, all his Russell Brand cool, draining away <laughs> uh, in the uh, face of John Romero. But it was just a beautiful moment. That's adorable. Uh, we've been joined by another guest. Hello. Hi, I'm Christian Nutt from Gamasutra. Hi, Christian. Hi, Frank. I used to work with Christian at Gamasutra. Right. Holy crap. There's too much uh, green blood on this uh, stage right now. Chris, Christian, you. Um, so we started the show without you. Yes. 
what, what have you been doing? Well, immediately, because I was in the Square Enix audio, JRPG audio uh, session just now. I've been going to sessions, doing demos, interviewing a lot of engine providers, Epic, Crytek, Unity, that kind of thing. I understand there were some language concerns at oh, this talk. Oh, yes. The talk was um, given by a Japanese man who did his best to speak clear English, but maybe it was not his forte. But then there was a, another guy who spoke really good English, and actually it was interesting because it was about like the way in which the JRPG has evolved like since the original like NES era to as a separate and distinct form of role-playing game, which we all recognize, but also how that's influenced the evolution of audio and then how audio has, as technology has improved over the course of the generations, how they have evolved the use of audio to work to bolster like the points of the genre that people particularly enjoy about that genre. So like the way voice is used, the way music is used as an emotional tool because it's always been strongly melodic and it was the underpinning of the games back when there wasn't cinematics, but it's still used as a strong emotional tool, not as an ambient tool, for example. Great. And if, what, what sessions have you seen, John? I saw, um, on Monday I saw Zoe Quinn doing her talk on comedy in games, which was absolutely superb. Imagine someone doing a half-hour talk on comedy, how to put comedy in games, and never once used the word cutscene. That's what, perfect. What? Whoa. Uh-huh. It was, it was a really smart talk. It's well worth checking out, especially if you are writing for games. That was some really smart stuff in there. Um, uh, I, I, now I'm panicking to remember other ones I've been to. Oh, I saw the... Uh, um, it was great, the uh, Failure Workshop. Okay. Um, which they've revived, which is developers talking about projects that didn't work out. And um, Ben Esposito did a superb talk about how Kachina became Donut County after he had to face his own uh, humility in terms of recognizing he wasn't the right person to be telling the story of the Hopi tribes people of America. Excellent. Um, and I wrote it up as an article on Rock Paper Shotgun, uh, which is, and, and it, it, it's, it's, it's just a really beautiful story. I was really, really impressed with his uh, kind of, I think, bravery, to be so honest. Uh, do you want to hear about my session? I, I was I, going like, to you, Frank, yes. Okay, good. I thought you were going to skip me over. No, of course no. You were, you were just glaring at me. I don't know what that <laughs> look was. Uh, so my, my, my uh, highlight, uh, as people who know me know, uh, preserving video game history is near and dear to my heart. I think it's really important. Um, so I went and saw uh, Jason Scott, who works at the Internet Archive, among other things. Uh, you might recall uh, uh, the project he, he set up to get JS Mess running and getting DOS games on a browser, blah, 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 blah. Um, so he sort of introduced himself in the concept of preserving video game history. And, he, you know, he talked for nearly an hour. It was really eloquent. But, but he gets to his point at the end, which is just one slide that said, steal from work. And that was his point, was steal from work. History is important. The only way we're going to save it is if you just grab your stuff from work, put it in a box, put it somewhere. Because, and it's true. Right, like, right. Like, 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 you know, as a journalist, I found that most of the information that we have about the early days of video game history is because people just kind of took stuff home. <laughs> so uh, my, I want to put it on a T-shirt and just wear it every day. Steal from work. Steal from work. And you, be, and you did a talk, did you? Uh, I haven't spoken yet, but uh, tomorrow at 4 p.m., literally the last talk of GDC exactly. 2015, uh, I'll, be one, I'll be on one of three micro-postmortems at the uh, career seminar about our game iDARP, which uh, shipped in February. Great. 
Shipped meaning why do we still say ship? <laughs> like it didn't go. It, yeah. it didn't go on a boat. All, all games are delivered by steamliner. <laughs> it's just a tradition. Exactly. Did you put a press release out saying it had gone gold? Yeah, no, we didn't. <laughs> okay. Oh god, we should have. Welcome back to One Life Left versus Gama Sutra, the official GDC podcast. And look in front of me, I can see a few people standing and watching us. You know, the show floor has that same sort of meandering atmosphere as people move from talk to talk. Uh, Simon, do you think I'm successfully capturing the ambience? I mean, it seems to, yeah. And I think with the tech failing, we are also illustrating the hazards of doing something in front of people. And it's goes in some way, I think, to explain uh, why they are moving away so quickly. <laughs> anyway, as, as part, of, uh, part of GDC, we have a nicely like, planned schedule, don't we? We ask people to sign up, but we also like to roll with the punches uh, and just accept walk-up guests, because sometimes they're the best type of guests. And that's what's happened today. New guests, do you want to introduce yourselves? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, my name is Michael Gonsoli. Um, I have a company called Carwheel Games. I'm making three indie games. One's called Against the Wall. Another one's called Asterisk. And the other one's called Nothing Good Could Come With This. I also work at the NYU Game Center as a TA. And I work at Muse Games as a programmer. So I have a whole lot of things going on in my life uh, in the indie game and games uh, world. Hi, uh, my name's Chris. I'm a developer. I, I have a small company, independent developer. Uh, we just released a game called Wizard Golf RPG. It is a game in which you golf through dungeons, and you have to get par by the end. You have to uh, hit as few shots as possible, doing your magic spells, and avoid the traps like uh, spider webs and that sort of thing. Wizard so. Golf RPG sounds like a title that's come from a generator. No, no. It has definitely come from our very smart brains. There <laughs> well, is no you, generation there. How did you think of that title? How did you think of that game, Dynamic? Okay, well, I was breaking down sports, right? Okay. What is the world's best turn-based sport? Cricket. That's, uh, maybe <laughs> cricket golf or cricket RPG is next okay, after perfect. cricket I love you <laughs> after cricket but, uh, but right now we are just working on wizard golf RPG because golf I hate to say it I don't play much cricket but it is still the world's best turn based sport uh, have you ever seen an anime called Tower of Duraga there is a wizard in that who just plays golf throughout the dungeons no kidding yeah well we might have to come to words with that guy oh maybe you could borrow a few things yeah, so, so um, how far through the game are you, have you finished developing it? Is it out? Oh, yeah, you can download it. If you have an iPhone telephone, an iTelephone, uh, <laughs> you can play it. Uh, you just have to get it off the uh, App Store. It is available now worldwide. Okay, good. Um, how, was, uh, how was the process? Did you, did you enjoy the development process with the issues? There's uh, always issues, aren't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. Um, the European changing their VAT tax uh, for, uh, for Internet downloads hit us right when we released, so we got kind of jammed up in App Store limbo for a little while. So we didn't quite go as smoothly as we liked, but no worries. You can account for your taxes now using our game, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what stopped us before. Is this like the old world having its revenge, you know, for the whole like Boston Tea Party thing? I know. I should have thrown a protest of some sort with your uh, tax system. <laughs> but um, I did buy, I, I did bring stickers for everybody. Um, one thing, Here's if you're stickers. an app developer and you come to GDC, make sure to print your icon on a sticker. Um, and then you can cause vandalism while broadcasting our game. Um, I was actually in London about three weeks ago, and I think I put one on Space Invaders' little thing. So this is a I, very um, fetching uh, wizard cape here. Yeah, yeah. You see, he's got his rod. I think that's a three wood. Nice. And he is, uh, he's he's going after that uh, that's, that skeleton. skeleton there. Wait, are there is so. It, 
obviously in the dungeons there's going to be loads of enemies and stuff that you have to avoid them. Is that, that, is that correct? Th- that is just like golf. I mean, you can go straight ahead, be charging forward and kill those skeletons, or you could avoid them, you know, almost like a sand trap. You might want to go over the sand, tra- sand trap or right through it. Can you hit the ball off a skeleton? Uh, yes, you can. Nice. Is that your you single kill- criteria for being interested in a game, Kara? You just want to hit golf balls or skeletons. Yeah, I do. I you just found kind of, your audience. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's it. I mean, you want a cricket game. You're getting what you want. I'm getting my skeleton. All right, I wasn't judging. It's fine. I'm, I'm glad something's <laughs> pushed your buttons. It kind of reminds me of a pinball quest for the NES, you know? Oh, you know that game? It's like, a, it's like a Legend of Zelda, only it's with pinball. And you, every single screen, you have the flippers and everything else like that. You go from screen to screen and hitting skeletons and monsters and whatnot. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. Michael, uh, why don't you tell us about some of your games, the ones you're making? Um, well, the game that I've been working on for years and years is called Against the Wall. It's a first-person puzzle platformer set in a world that is an infinite wall. And there's different civilizations and forests and volcanoes and biomes on the wall. And you're just climbing, uh, trying to find out the mysteries of this uh, strange alien world. I also have a game that's called Asterisk, which is like um, multiplayer FTL, where all the crew members uh, on the ships are played by different players, and you're working cooperatively to blow up other ships in a real-time kind of environment. And the third game that I'm working on is called Nothing Good Could Come of This. It is a 2D, kind of minimalist, platform-ish kind of game, in which uh, two players are in a room, and from a hole in the ceiling, a loaded gun falls in between them, Nothing good could come with this. <laughs> Actually, working on several games at the same time, uh, is that stimulating or is it more confusing? Like, how does that work for you? It, it's more stimulating because you, if you get tired of one thing, you could just move on to one of the other two. And I'm working in three games that are completely different genres. Local multiplayer, network multiplayer, and uh, just first-person single-player uh, kind of game. And if I get tired of one thing, I could just move on to the other. And not just, you know become stale and burnt out on one kind of genre. Do you find that like you think of solutions for problems in one while working on the other, like things that you wouldn't expect would inspire you like as you move between them or anything like that? Uh, not so much. It's just I can recharge uh, in my downtime on the others while working on something else. And then when I come back to it, I look at, at uh, the game with fresh eyes. So um, what brings you to GDC? Uh, what brings me to the GDC? I'm just uh, hanging out with a lot of friends, seeing people that I have known over the years and met over the years. Hashtag um, networking. Uh, how does what? Hashtag networking. Hashtag network. I, it's mostly people that I already know, though. You know, it's like I've been, this is my fourth GDC. Uh, I've met all the people that, I, that are in this one circle, and I just really cool hanging out with them. And this is basically like a vacation. Are you operating like a one in, one out policy on friends now? A what? A one-in, one-out policy on friends. So you meet someone really good, oh, yeah, someone's yeah. got to go. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. I use I, business I cards friend... to track, of, track people like that. I have all oh, of my friends' yes. business cards in the pocket. If and someone good arrives, then they... Yeah, the other... 50 of them, and then you have to take one out. Yeah, absolutely. never talk to that person again. They don't exist. They're basically dead to you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's basically a video game. Yeah. A really brutal one. Yeah. I don't have many friends. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you seen anything that you could recommend like any kind of talk that you thought was super great okay the best talk uh, from the uh, independent game summit was by Itai Karen it was a very practical interesting talk that basically established a taxonomy for um, cameras in scrolling two, uh, 2D games um, 
he went through basically the history of scrolling cameras and games uh, and broke everything down with a series of very interesting GIFs uh, that showed how people over the years have constrained the camera, uh, have followed the character, how they've like, kept the character within certain boxes on the screen. Um, and he gave terms for all these different camera types and, and broke it down uh, atomically. So anyone who wants to like, make a game with a scrolling camera can basically look at this talk and use that taxonomy to basically determine what is best for them and, and what could... Uh, and how to communicate with each other about scrolling camera uh, types. So it just, I think that was the most useful, just practical talk, and it was like, very interesting. I, I, I feel like I came out of that talk a better uh, game designer. Great, thank you. Welcome back to One Life Left, live on the show floor of GDC 2015. Uh, we have Stikharan and Simon Byron. Hello. We also have one mic down at the moment, <gasps> so me and Simon are having to share. That's really cute. I had a garlic pizza for lunch, you, as you're about to tell. <laughs> nice. And we also have some lovely guests. We have Bennett Foddy and Trent Custers here with us. Say hello, you guys. Hey, everybody. Hello, hello. Uh, so what, what is it that you do, Trent? I am. I do a few things. I'm uh, the director of a studio called League of Geeks. We're making a game called Armello, which is basically Game of Thrones meets Kung Fu Panda as a digital board game. Um, and it took me four years to figure out that pitch. So yeah, that nice. <laughs> that's the thing. Um, and then I'm also the chair of the independent uh, free play independent games festival in Melbourne. And I, I teach writing for games at a university down there as well. Cool. And uh, so, what have you what have you seen? Have you seen anything that you a talk that you liked this week? Talks. Yeah, a couple of the indie soapbox talks were great. I really liked um, Rebecca Saltzman's talk um, about uh, uh, mums. You know, the developing. You know, so uh, indie developers who are out there running their own studios or making their own games, but they've got kids anywhere from you know five days old or whatever, all the way through to 16 or 23, I think, was um, the oldest child uh, living at home or person living at home at that point. But um, yeah, that, that was really interesting, just hearing, you know, obviously something that I hadn't thought much about is they're just kick-ass mums making games. They're so much more badass than I am. Yeah, I know uh, uh, Anna Marsh at Lady Shotgun, she, uh, she basically runs her studio out of her home, um, and she's always talking about how difficult it is to go to conferences, because you got kids then there's nowhere to you know they can't be anywhere they have to be with you all the time yeah, and they're it's... doing daycare here this year aren't they yes yeah. and this year exactly megan said that she set up um like a i guess what in the uk we would call a crash but i don't know what anyone else calls it but it's like yeah you can leave your kids uh hopefully hopefully not forever but like <laughs> just in a little pen i imagine i don't know how children work is that what happens with them yeah, I, 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 so. okay good um but yeah, that's kind of cool that that's facilities there this year. So yeah, well done, GDC. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, Bennett Foddy, what is it that you do? I am an independent developer, uh, also from Melbourne, Australia, but I live in New York, uh, where I also uh, teach at the NYU Game Center. Ah, cool. And uh, you did a talk as well. Um, I gave yesterday? a couple this year. I gave two. Oh, okay. So I gave one about how to use physics engines, which is and how to misuse them, which is something that I have some experience in. <laughs> and uh, another one uh, was just about I was so I was in this session that was like 
going into uh, extremely boring detail about one very small aspect of one game. Right. And so what was, aspect was that? I was talking, I was talking about ha- how to control the poles and super pole riders. Oh, yes. And I, rem- I remember seeing someone tweet about the fact that you were saying that essentially the poles are really the real characters in the game. Yes. And the, char- the characters are really just like these flimsy objects attached to them. And that's kind of an interesting... I should have I I called it something like super rider poles. <laughs> a bit more honest. It is a pleasingly like, elusive uh, name. <laughs> Bennett, you made a, another game this year, didn't you? Uh, I, uh, last year? Sorry, uh, you made a game about rainbows last year, didn't oh, you? Ride My Rainbow? With, <laughs> well, uh, th- thank you for asking, but le- <laughs> let's see what it sounds like first. <laughs> what, what do you do in that game? Uh, so that's a game where uh, you're, uh, you're, it's, your task is to ride somebody else's rainbow. Uh, of course. There's a rainbow coming out from behind them, and you can stand on top of it. Uh, but you have to try to stop them from standing on top of your rainbow. Can you talk uh, about your inspirations? I, when I was making uh, Sports Friends, I started putting rainbows in the game, and then I made a level that was just like purely rainbows. It was inspired by the uh, Mario Kart level Rainbow Road. Uh, and once you start getting into drawing rainbows and putting them into a game, you get a kind of rainbow madness. <laughs> Uh, you just have to put them everywhere. It's, it's an extremely uh, compelling, addictive process. I just I recommend it to everybody. Trent, Get Rainbow Madness. Trent, how's the, tell, tell us a bit about your game, Armello. Yeah, so Armello is a digital board game. So essentially we spent eight months prototyping it on paper, and then we started working on the codes after that. But, yeah, you play as a hero from one of the four animal clans of Armello. And, you know, so you play as, like, a rat rogue or a wolf warrior. Um, and we also have wizard bears. Of course, so, yeah. of course. Um, and you're out on a quest to become king or queen of Armello. And that's basically the game. The, the players move around the board questing, trying to become as powerful as possible, as fast as possible, so that they can either breach the palace walls and slay the king and become king or queen that way. Or they can wait until the king dies of his darkness, the, um, this disease, this mad rot that's slowly killing him. And if you have the most prestige in the kingdom of Armello at that point, then you win. So it's all about just backstabbing your friends. And yeah. I really, really like bringing this up. Um, but yes, uh, the Armello is very popular with furries. Isn't yes. that correct, Trent? That is very correct, yes. There's a lot of um, really uh, not safe for work pictures of your characters on the internet. Is that yeah, true? If you go, if, well, if you go into it, it's not a place I go often, but I'm sure in the, in the bowels of the internet, um, you can find them, no doubt. Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, so now, yeah, and, and so after this, I'll be done with games. I've achieved, I've achieved my goals. Ben, is there any um, Ride My Rainbow fan art? Actually, I should be asking Kara, really, who clearly, <laughs> <laughs> clearly knows. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I... <laughs> look for that sort of thing. Maybe, maybe you could draw some. Okay, I'll draw some. Um, did you deliberately put two Australians on at the same time? Is that, was that intended? I just wanted to talk about cricket. I did it just say. This is, this is the year of Australians at GDC, I've decided. It's lots of us all of a sudden. There's the uh, push me pull you guys. Uh, there's the crossy road guys coming in. Everybody's there's, there's so many of us here. There's, I think we... We like there were some people in Melbourne that were calculating it. There's like over a hundred teams alone just over here from Australia. So, yeah, yeah. 
And you all have to come here instead of us going there. Yeah, yeah. One day. Super one day, unfair. One day you'll all have to go there. Yeah. <laughs> you have all of these uh, Europeans and Americans going, oh, the flight's too long. <laughs> it's too expensive. <laughs> You are listening to One Life Left, uh, the official podcast of GDC. Um, we're uh, recording this show in segments. You won't appreciate that if you're listening to the podcast because it's going to feel so seamless. Just absolutely but what has seamless. just happened is that uh, in the moment that we paused in order to get the microphones fixed, at that moment there was a huge crowd of people outside waiting to get into another talk. And now we begin broadcasting. They've all just moved in. They kind of rushed in. <laughs> Uh, but we need to get cracking on the show. So uh, we've been joined, joined by three new guests. Uh, so um, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourselves to our listeners. Uh, hi, my name is Forrest Dowling. Uh, hi, I'm John Engel. I'm Joseph Humphrey. So Forrest, um, you've had a pretty eventful GDC, haven't you? Uh, yeah, we. Um, so uh, my team is working on a game called The Flame and the Flood, and we... Uh, we have our first hands-on, um, so people are playing it for the first time. Uh, we announced that we're bringing the game to the Xbox One, so a lot of press has been playing it. Well, we're showing it on the show floor, so there's tons and tons of just fans and backers from our Kickstarter that are playing it, and it's uh, it's been awesome and exhausting. What's uh, what's the reaction been then for the first hands-on? I think people really like it. Uh, I think um, we've got like a very distinctive uh, aesthetic. And I, that immediately draws people in. Um, and I think we're doing stuff that's pretty familiar in many ways. The game's uh, a game about survival. Um, but we're doing some stuff that feels very different. Like, it takes place in, in a place that's sort of inspired by the American South. And you are traveling down a river. And um, so it's about movement. You know, you're always sort of being pushed forward. Um, so I think like that combination of sort of familiar elements put together in a way that's a little unfamiliar, combined with a, just an awesome aesthetic, which I take no credit for. I'm working with great artists, um, is is just responding or working really well with people. How 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 nervous was the team before um, letting letting too, the public too tired to okay. be nervous as we should have been? <laughs> So that's, that's the best way to, to deal with any sort of anxiety before letting the yeah, stay up late. Yeah, just run yourself ragged to the point where you can't, you can't worry anymore. <laughs> you don't have the energy. Um, and, and so what happens now then? So there's some feedback from those that have come and played it. Um, you're, you're not coming out until the end of the year? Is... Uh, we're, um, we're still figuring out exactly what okay. our dates are, but our plan all along has been to release uh, over the summer. Um, so we're looking at uh, potentially doing an early access around that time, but we're figuring out exactly what that's going to be. Um, so coming off of something like this, you know, we're a small team. We can't afford to hire an army of play testers or focus testers. Uh, so this is really the first time we're seeing big groups of people playing the game, and we've all got our little moleskin notebooks with us. Uh, we're taking lots of notes and identifying problems and things that, like, I just didn't know were going to be an issue that are a huge issue or things that I thought were going to be terrible that actually are working really, really well. Um, so, you know, it's the time where we sort of, we've seen a lot of people play the game. We don't have an immediate um, place that we need to show it in the near future. So it's, it's time to take the demo build that we have, rip it apart, figure out what needs to be fixed immediately, what we need to really like reevaluate our goals on and um, what's good and we can just move forward with. Does that mean that uh, you, can, you can now enjoy GDC? So are you free to see sessions and 
Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Where the the game is on the is on um, Epic in on the show floor in Epic's booth, so I'm just there constantly. Okay. So I've I've only made it to two sessions, and they were the ones I was talking on. Right. <laughs> what were you talking about? Uh, so I did a panel about running um, small game studios uh, with a number of other folks uh, that Epic sponsored. So uh, guys like uh, Joe Bremer, um, the um, folks who just did uh, Ether One. And uh, Adam Orth, um, who's doing a drift. We all run teams of about like six people, ten people. And I also gave a talk in uh, level design um, during the tutorial days. And it was just, uh, I mean, sort of a boring talk if you're not a level designer. I mean, maybe it's boring if you're a level designer too. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but it was just about like how to script um, things in a way that feels like naturalistic. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it was fun. Like I enjoyed giving the talk. Great. And uh, boys, you've had quite the GDC, haven't you? Um, I yeah. think it's been impossible to walk around the show without seeing footage from your game that you released uh, yeah. but since the last one. Yeah, no, it's kind of incredible going from that state of being, uh, basically, we're still bedroom coders uh, in a way, or we've returned to being bedroom coders after being in the AAA. And um, coming to an event like this after being stuck in your pants for six months, <laughs> uh, yeah. Stuck in your pants. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, if you wear them for six months, well, that's what happens. <laughs> uh, they get glued after a while, well, trust me. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's incredible. You were up for a few awards last night, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, we... Um, I think we were up for five. Two Game Developer Choice ones and three IGF ones. We won one. So okay. I, I don't know if that's the best hit rate, but like, well, I didn't really know anything about the IGFs before I came. Right. Like, I've heard of them, but I'd, I'd never, I'd not been to them before. Or, like, I've only been to one GDC before. That was five years ago or something. Okay. And so I kind of thought, you know, okay, I, I felt quite bullish. Like, let's do this. Five nominations. Let, let's bag Five them. separate let's speeches. Let's take a sack. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I thought, you know, I don't even need to thank anyone on the first speech because I'll, I'll get another one. And then you walk into the room and you go. And actually, you know what? Being nominated is fine. Like, this is a yeah. thing. <laughs> I, we, we've already done... We don't, we, we, don't, we don't need to win anything. So it was nice we did. We got, we got the narrative award. Great. Which, which cool. one of the five did you win? I mean, where in the sequence was it? Oh, it was our first one? It, so the first nomination you won, and you thought, yeah, absolutely. It, and we here thought, we and go. We thought, yeah, exactly. This is going to be a nice little pattern. And then this, <laughs> this little mini-game called Monument Valley turned up, right. and it just oh. went, all went to they shit. They were on the show yesterday. I have to say, on a personal level, I, I, I've had such a busy show, I feel quite spaced out and uh, not certain about what's going on so I was when I asked the question I'm like this is going to be awkward if they didn't win any awards so I'm, I'm glad that you got at least one <laughs> yeah we, we are too yeah. were you um, were you surprised by the success because uh, you were just chatting with Forrest about because um, 80 Days is, a, is an unusual game to have enjoyed such breakout success yeah no it's strange because um we originally started 80 Days and we intended it to be a sort of hot side project because we were working on the Sorcery series and we'd done Sorcery 1 and 2 and we thought, let's get a, hire a writer. We found a really talented writer in Meg Giant and we thought we would just do a side project and ha- what's the worst that can happen? We can do two projects simultaneously, 80 Days and Sorcery 3 and it took over our lives. Did it? Uh, so, yeah, it's been quite tough. <laughs> yeah, I mean... The, the thing about 80 Days, the thing, well, the thing about all we do, but especially with 80 Days, like, it's a mobile game, so everybody hates it. It's, it's a text <laughs> game, so everybody hates it. It's a premium game, so everybody hates it. And so we released it, you know, it got an Apple feature, the mobile sites covered it, and then it kind of went dead for, like, three months, and we were like, okay, well, you know, we're glad we did it. We feel good about that. And then 
Time Magazine made it Game of the Year, and then suddenly everybody seems to be playing it, and everybody's recommended it, and it's kind of got popular. And like, we're so people are sort of saying, you know, what? Well, tell us about this exciting game. We're like, what? This is a year old. This game. It's not exciting and new. So I think we're still adjusting to that a little bit. But uh, so, so I think one of my favourite moments from the IGF last night was just when we got the award, the amount of whooping. I mean, we didn't realize, realize that there were people out there that could actually whoop en masse about 80 days. <laughs> so, that, so would you recommend for aspiring developers maybe just getting their game selected as uh, Game of the Year by Time Magazine? Yeah, it's, it's, a, pretty, it's a pretty good technique. Um, you, you, just, you just have to know where they go late at night when they're feeling really sad, and then you can just go and talk to them and just pick them up. Very, I'm joking, obviously. Um, no, the best thing, actually, is coming to America to have awards like this, because people whoop in America. If you had it at Britain, you'd get a little bit of polite clapping, and that would be your lot. So. Again, what I should have done is realised my lesson the first time, but I'm going to ask a question. Are you up for a BAFTA next week? We are up for four are you? Okay. BAFTAs. <laughs> right. That's four BAFTAs. Wow. How does that <laughs> We're feel? a mobile game. Yeah. I, we were talking about this on the show recently. It's, it's unusual. Well, I think it's brilliant that... Um, there are so many different types of games and they're all being put into the same pot now. You know, we're not, we're not segregating them and just giving, you know, like, you, um, so you, uh, you, I think you're up for, are you up for Game of the Year at the BAFTA? No, we're not. Okay. We're up for Breast British. No, but Monument Valley is, isn't it? And that's yeah. up against Shadow of Mordor and stuff, you know, and, that's, and those are competitions you, you wouldn't necessarily expect. Yeah, I mean, one thing that we like is if you divide uh, the number of BAFTA nominations by the number of team members... We have more than one, which, which, which is nice. <laughs> Whereas Shadow of Mordor might be 0.01, <laughs> perhaps. Right, so, Forrest, how are you going to spend the rest of the show? Are you going to go back, back, back to the booth? and? Uh, yeah, basically. I'm, I'm just going to be spending my time uh, meeting folks as they play the game and talking with them, and that's, that's about it. That's Great. my plan. And how are you, uh, you going to... Well, we've been uh, manning our booth down at the IGF stand, so I guess we'll be going back there... Um, and trying to say as little as possible. It's been a very <laughs> talking heavy week. <laughs> Just think about the people that do a podcast. <laughs> That's yeah. the worst idea. Yeah, fair enough. Fair uh, enough. Thank but you so much for coming on the show. Um, enjoy the rest of GDC. Thank you. Thanks. Welcome back to One Life Left live at GDC 2015. So many good guests, so many good people here, Simon. It's hit after hit after hit, isn't it? It is. I was, I was looking at the list of names. Mm-hmm. I was like, how are we ever going to top this? And then I thought, maybe a good way of topping this is to return to some guests that we had. <laughs> we've had before, at least one of them. And we've got Hannah from Fail Better, but oh. not just Hannah. Yes, hello. And Alexis from Fail hello. Better. Welcome back. Um, I think they're going to be good guests because uh, the first question that Alexis asked me is, can I say fuck? <laughs> and the answer is no. So. Before the watershed on uh, Jinx. I, 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 what I wondered about that question, though, is that do you have a, sp- a specific thing that you want to say that involves the word fuck? Not yet. Okay. <laughs> on Jinx, you said fuck, that's a big crab. Fuck, that's a big crab is a good go-to it, phrase. Right. In my defence, it was a big crab. <laughs> I'd just like to let you know at this point what an awful lot of work it is to bleep out words in podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck so, that, Steve. So are you both having a good GDC? Yeah, we're floating, bouncing around the place. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. This is uh, my third, um, and the first I was terrified, and the second I was okay, and now I feel at home. So, yeah. You did something else quite odd. important this week as well, didn't you, Alexis? You might want to tell everybody the day before the massive conference. Oh, did I mention I did a marathon? I don't know if I'd actually did said you? that to anybody at you any ran point. A marathon? So. Why would you do such a thing? Because the sun was shining. Uh, because it's a really good way of getting over jet lag because it was in the Napa Valley and uh, Napa Valley is like Scotland but warm which is great Do you think there was anybody else from uh, GDC running the marathon? Uh, I didn't know uh, I didn't see anybody but I'm kind of hoping I might be able to recruit people to do it next year so if anybody really feels like doing the Napa Marathon which is always on the first Sunday in March so it's suitably timed please join me Fuck that. <laughs> so are you, uh, are you guys talking? Are you sharing stuff off? What are you up to? <laughs> Meeting, attending, okay. not, not presenting this year. Right. Done all that. I, yeah, I spoke at GDC Next last year, okay. so, yeah. I've done it. So uh, done. I, I missed the deadline for the Narrative Summit submission, so, whoops. We were making a game. Yeah. Busy. We were working. Um, have you been to any of the other parties? Did you go to the awards last night? Uh, last night we were propping up the bar with a lot of writers. We tried to get into the humble party, but it was like the last hour of a country wedding, and the right. tent was spilling out, and there was no no dice there. Okay. So I've not partied, but I have had lots of fun. It's nice, isn't it? I think um, what GDC shows is bringing so many people together. In fact, just before Forrest and the Inkle Boys came on, they were having an absolutely fascinating conversation just the other side here, talking about uh, how you make uh, uh, their game at 80 Days is text-based and the challenges of making that sort of sexy inverted commas. Um, uh, yeah, no, text, text is sexy. There's no chat. I'm, I'm with Ingold on this. Well, exactly. he, he said you don't need to apologise for text, and, and I think that should be a banner phrase. Do you, but, so you, I mean, obviously, you guys must also be pleased that uh, game people that are playing games are also reading so much at the moment. Given that your your uh, games are so uh, so um, so wordy, so so wordy. That's a terribly uncomfortable. No, it's true. Uh, and it, I think Sunless Sea uh, was, which we just released, was, was is a very distinctive taste. Uh, I mean, it's got cannibalism in it, which isn't for everybody. It's got a lot of words in it, which isn't for everybody. The ship moves very slowly. Uh, which isn't for everybody and what that means is that uh, we have a, a good hardcore of people who really love it and whenever somebody comes in the forums and says what the hell is all this reading I didn't buy a book uh, they get dogpiled by people who say it's just not for you man you don't understand this is art right. which is very gratifying to watch and, that, and that's interesting again um, the, uh, the 80 Days boys were saying that you know, because they're, they're mobile which no one likes they're premium that no one likes yep. they are worthy that no one likes and yet they've done so well so um, yeah maybe the, yeah, the, the audiences who are enjoying these games are yeah, su- super committed and it's great to see them doing so well yeah. Do you think that we're in a kind of text game renaissance right now? Like, do you, do you, do you feel like there's a big, been a big sort of resurgence of text in video games and, and people approaching text in more interesting ways? Let me phrase this carefully. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, we've seen 80 Days running away with all the awards uh, this year, which has been um, amazingly encouraging. Choice of Games has been doing really good work uh, for years, and they're, they're kind of, I think, hit a bit of a point where people are recognising their work. Uh, we have been running Fall in London for uh, five, six years now, um, and that's entirely text um, and a, a number of very beautiful pictures, but no moving images at all. And that has 
kind of hit a, a climax point this year. It's, it's just started to pick up. And there's lots, there's the rise of Twine, obviously, which has been this, this vehicle for uh, self-expression that's starting to break out into the mainstream and has a, a very versatile, uh, very accessible um, range of opportunities. And I think because mobile devices have been increasingly a choice of leisure reading, people are used to the idea that they are doing something with words on a screen. And, um, yeah, I, I think th- th- this, this last year has been a bit of a breakthrough, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes down the pipe. I do know much about, you know, your subscribers um, for um, Fallen London, because I feel like it, it would be really interesting to see the gender split there, and, like, you know, like, the kinds of people that are super into playing that kind of game. I have a funny feeling that it might be, like, much more, you know, like there might be parity rather than like in video games we always kind of think about video games as being like primarily for a young male audience I guess so yeah you're right we uh, we did skew pretty much 60-40 male female uh, it skewed a bit more male uh, now that we've released Sun of Sea because uh, that you know the Steam audience obviously skews quite heavily male um, and we did some audience research a year or so ago because we were really struggling over whether for in London was, was a game or an interactive story um, and how to present ourselves. And we asked people whether they felt that they were fundamentally gamers or fundamentally readers or fundamentally both. Um, and we, were, we phrased it really strongly. We said, if we ask you what you're passionate about, are you a passionate reader or do you think of yourself as a gamer, is it an identity thing? Or, or does it have to be both you couldn't choose between? And a minority of people said gamer, a larger minority of people said uh, reader, and an awful lot of people said both. And I think that is that overlap of uh, digitally native, content-heavy enthusiasm. It, it touches on fan fiction as well. It touches on interactive fiction. It touches on people who are active in fan communities around shows um, and the kind of forum chat and, and uh, communal play you get. It, it's all part of the same thing, I think. About... 1.5% of the people we asked said they were neither readers nor gamers. So I have no idea what they're playing for in London. Yeah, maybe they like the pictures. <laughs> pictures are good. It's really interesting, actually, because I got a really cool email from a poet um, when I was working at Rock, Paper, Shotgun, and he basically had been working, publishing his poems um, on, like, literary forums. Oh, you're Carl Ellison. Yes. Oh, hello. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Hi. We could all be Carl yeah. Ellison. <laughs> Doing well. Day five. So, Hello, go on, sorry. Yeah, it was a really interesting email because he was a poet and he'd been publishing his poems on all these um, literary forums um, for years and just got like, hardly any, any readers at all. And then he made, his, um, he made his poem called The Kiss in Twine and it was like one of the largest Twine games ever made, I think. Uh, I think it still is. And um, it's so huge, you can read like a section each day and like never really get to the end of it, and it's it just it's massive. And he said, you know, I, I made this uh, game in Twine, and I put it up on the Twine sort of uh, website. And he said like he got more uh, people um, exposed to his work like purely through like actually classifying his poem as a game than he ever got from like any kind of literary like people who are supposedly are into reading. So it's super interesting to me that those two combine. And I feel like I guess quote unquote gamers are actually a lot more you know like well read and a lot more interested in reading than we ever thought. I, I think I think so. I think there's been a bit of the. The effect you get in school when the class swap is not well treated, where gamers are often embarrassed about admitting to the fact that they've actually read a book. 
Um, and poetry particularly. I've, I've been saying for years, I've been boring my team stiff with this, that more game writing should be more like poetry because it needs to be brief, evocative, get out of the way, not outstay its welcome. And Heather Albano said something very similar um, in a really good talk a couple of days ago uh, that a lot of writing in, in, in games needs to have that poetic aspect. And in fact, we just hired two writers and one of them was a poet. Uh, I, I hired a poet in a cocktail bar to write it fail better. There's slightly more to the story. There's a bit of backstory, but that's, that's fundamentally true. And I'd very much like it to part, become part of Fail Better's founding myth. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Welcome back to One Life Left at GDC. We've got maybe five, six, seven more minutes and we've got two guests to get through. So we're going to have to go hard and we're going to have to go fast. <laughs> but that's good because uh, I met our next guest yesterday when he approached us, wanted to come on the show. I said, really? And he said, yeah. We'll I mean, see. because, you know, I've been sat through moments of the show in the, the, in the fog of GDC wishing that I could come off it. Well, I'm not going to say anything stupid like give it to me as hard as you can, but... Uh... You just did. <laughs> Should I leave? I feel like... Cara, <laughs> you're going to be integral hey, in this you're... interview process. Are you Cara? Right. Are you Cara? <laughs> are you Cara Allison? Okay, what's your name and where do you come from? My name is Rupert Magnet. I'm with Burnout Game Ventures out of Orlando. What do, what, what do you do? Uh, I'm a game investor, so I take games from zero to sales in six months or less. How many games are you taking there? Right now we have uh, 100. Today's our one-year anniversary. Actually, okay. happy, happy birthday! We have, we have 103 game developers working for six game uh, startups, three okay. of which we've created. We've released one game already on Steam Early Access. We've got a mobile game that's releasing next month, and we've got releases scheduled every month for the next year. That's have, quite intense. Have, have you played Bang Man? Bang Bang. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I have not. Okay, right. okay. I'll just be here on one today for you. Uh, it was it. actually voted uh, Britain's, so Britain's biggest selling paper, The Sun. Yes. Known for its critical, you know, exactly. its critical I judgment. Not, I have not been on page three, thank you. Well, well, Britain's biggest selling paper, The Sun, called Bangman its game of the year so far. So far in February. In February, so there have been two months. Um, I, I wrote Bangman. It's a, it's a silly little mobile game. Um, nice. But, but what, what do you actually look for when you choose uh, which games to invest in? Well, I look, I look for people who, who understand the business of making a game. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Simon's, Simon's got revenue coming in exactly. already. I've, right. I've, I've, I've almost made AdMob's minimum payment threshold, which is <laughs> £60, pounds, uh, yeah, in about 10 months. Well, we basically, we look for people that, that, first of all, they have to explain their game. Okay. So they're. Can, pin, they're I mean, Simon doesn't need to do that. It, the explanation is in the title: Bang Man. It's bang Man. <laughs> <laughs> so they have. If they, they, I give them eight minutes to give me a pitch. Neat. So they have to explain their game. They have to explain their target market. They have to explain their budget, and they have to explain their return on investment. Yeah, I think I'd be unable to do most of those things. Most um, of those things. <laughs> so um, uh, you've invested in over 100 games. Um, yeah, so, so, so how do you pick them and, and what are you specifically looking for? Are there, are there trends that you see at the moment for games that you think will be successful? Or? No, I'm, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. So okay. I, I look in, I'm looking for what passion they have, what ideas they have, how well thought out and holistic the whole situation is. And then uh, I provide them everything they need. So you know, if they need, if they have two guys and and, and two girls or whatever, and they're, they're they have an idea and they can answer all these questions, then I put together the rest of the team that they need, and then offer them all the resources and everything else they need as well. 
Are you, do you play video games? Are you mainly a businessman who invests in video games? or? Uh, I taught video games, uh, project management and video games for six years at Full Sail. And, nice. um, so, and, and my, my former students now are helping manage about a billion and a half in game revenues. Cool. Uh, to answer your question, I'm not really a gamer, but I do have a full motion helicopter simulator in my garage. Wow, okay. And my teams told me, my teams are teasing me. They're saying as soon as we get an office with, a, with our own game room set up, they're going to force me to work eight hours a day in that game room <laughs> to, to, to learn all the games and everything. So. Nice. Have but you I made can, any, like playing games, have, yeah. you, uh, have you signed any games this week? I'm sorry? Have you signed any games this week? Uh, no, we have, we have like eight to ten games ready to go anyway. So we're, really? We're, we've got waiting in the wings for... for, for so the, you're kind of full up at we're the moment. We're pretty full, yeah, yeah. Right, so you're just here to show off then. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking here looking for partners. I'm looking for uh, investors. I'm looking for anybody who's uh, interested in, in being part of this dynamic industry. Okay. What's, the, um, what's, what's the best way of getting hold of you for people that are interested? In... Uh, the best way to get a hold of me is at, uh, through our website at burnoutgameventures.com. Or uh, to me, Rupert, R-U-P-E-R-T, at burngameven.com. Um, as we approach the end of this segment, I'm just interested in a bit of feedback from you now. Sure. Um, how was your uh, guest experience? Uh, at the show here? No, for being on One Life Left. Oh, um, well, jeez, I don't know. <laughs> I, you know I, I thought the banter was uh, fairly witty. And, fairly uh, witty. And, well, seven uh, out of ten, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I was expecting a lot more brutal uh, uh, type of questioning, but that's all right. Unfortunately, I, I appreciate you. Unfortunately, for you, you charmed us. <laughs> I charmed you. Yeah, okay. we, uh, I hope that's not like a snake charm type of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Thanks very much for coming on the show. All right, thank you so much. Welcome back to One Life Left Live at GDC. Um, we're broadcasting live from the show floor. Um, approaching the end of this, uh, this section, so we thought we'd save the best till last. It's friend of the show, Oscar Clark. Hello, Oscar. Hello there. How are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. It's been a busy old uh, week so far. Uh, y- you must be furious. <laughs> Why would I be furious? Um, who was it on the show, Steve, who said that their, t- their rant was fuck unity and the horse that uh, it rode? Oh, Cliff. yeah. Cliff. Cliff. Yeah, yeah, livid. Well, oh, come on. Cl- Cliff's very no- well known for his outspoken views. Okay. And I think from what I read, I didn't, t- I didn't hear the original talk, but, you know, from what I read, it was more a general kind of stress of the industry. I mean, I- okay, I'm very... A little generous, but I like Cliff. It's great. No, I mean, I mean, I Os- like Cliff. Yeah, did you see? But did you see, hear the way that Oscar said that. I like Cliff, like with the implication that he's sorry for what's about to happen. Yeah, to yeah. It, it didn't sound like he liked you, Oscar. Well, no, no, he doesn't he, like me. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's because I'm an evil free to play guy. That's why. It's understandable. Although apparently, I'm the nice version of the evil. The things he was saying about you, Oscar, yeah. you would not believe. Well, you should say something about him yeah. now. So fuck Cliff. I should. Fuck yeah, Cliff yeah. and the horse yeah, he rode in on. As a consummate professional, you yes. know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna find a way to skirt way around the edges. I actually did bump into him yesterday uh, with um, Mr. Did you? Nicole. Was it awkward? Um, How aggressive? Was it awkward? No, no. I'm never awkward with these things. Um, but I just gave a knowing nod. Mm-hmm. You know, I know. And did you make any like, gestures? Just run a, run a finger across your throat no. slowly. <laughs> I, I'm far too subtle for that. Okay. Uh, are you having a nice show, uh, Cliff aside? Oh, yeah, no, the show's been great. I mean, so many different games. My favourite thing so far was the Nod Ring. You know, the Nod Rings? I actually got to have a go with them. These are 
like control rings so you can move around with your Oculus glasses on or whatever. Just simple rings, and they've got movement. Um, so you, as you move your hands, your character moves around the screen. It's okay. just really lovely. The fact we're getting these much more immersive experiences, I just find brilliant. Even though I'm supposed to focus on mobile, I like all the other stuff right. too. I, um, I've, I've seen loads of games at the show, um, and I have to say that most of them have been written in Unity. Mm. So uh, Cliff's what point... <laughs> well, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's astonishing how, how widely it's being used. Oh, and yeah. yeah, I think it's... I mean, I forget the, the full stats, but it's like, if you think about it, the, the, there's no point to build a game with your own engine. You know, I mean, there's some edge cases, don't get me wrong. I mean, I can see why you might in the kind of furthest extremes. But it's all the other stuff. It's the workflow. It's the kind of engagement. And also the massive amounts of people out there. You know, if you look at the... I mean, I'm, I've been trying... You, you probably know this already, but I've been trying to learn to code. Yeah. And I'm, I'm about as shocking as it comes. Seriously, I'm just seriously bad. I mean, too many years of telling coders what to do and, and, and not learning anything myself. And... I've actually managed to pull together a prototype of something in a few days. And, you know, I'm choosing to use C-sharp. Some artists don't want to do that. But it, as soon as I gave in, as soon as I kind of gave in to the kind of panic, it was all right, and it, it suddenly worked, and it suddenly clicked, and I get it all wrong, and I got lots of bugs. But I fixed it, and eventually, it's, right. yeah, you just get on and do it. Yeah, definitely. We're, um, we're doing our karaoke night tonight, and we've mm. actually been sponsored by CryEngine. Oh, did you? Yeah, they've given us £250. So can I play the crying game? Like, so, well, yeah. Oscar, if you give us £300, <laughs> yeah. we won't let them in. <laughs> a whole 300 I wouldn't do that. I've got um, mates in the Crytek guys. So. We've had to write a song about them. And, yeah. um, oh, did you? We, we have written a song for them. It's one of the most fawning things we've ever done for oh, money. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, Sorry, that's, that's saying a lot. It is, oh, isn't wow. it? Yeah. Um, wow. You'll be pleased to know that not much rhymes with unity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, um, yeah, no, I'm going to leave that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was Dignity. the only one I could come Luna, up with. Lunacy, I suppose. Yeah. I think it's good. Um, Lunacy to use anything else. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, what, so uh, what's what's your what's your role here at GDC? What are you doing? So I'm here in my lovely capacity as every play evangelist. So I'm doing a lot of talking about kind of how to capture gameplay experiences, community, but also. Um, Opti video ads. But don't worry, I'm not going to bore you with that. But it's, it's cool stuff because, the, you know, the, the uh, hipster well guys, Crossy Road. I mean, it was great. I, met, I managed to meet Matt um, from um, Hipster Well in Amsterdam. Uh-huh. We did a fantastic talk there um, where we just looked at design, how you use advertising in a way that doesn't get in the way of the players and actually think about design so it's entertaining and people want to watch stuff. So I do a lot of talking about that. But my main thing for me personally um, is that I'm going to do a talk on Friday about um, habit-forming game design. Okay. I'm going to ask about addiction and the moral and, and um, ethical responsibilities as we have as d- designers and just ask questions about what the, what the psychology says. Um, fortunately, I didn't write this on my own. I had help. Um, my friend Bernie Good and I are going to write a book about psychology and game design and she's helped me out. Have you ever been addicted to a game? Um, I don't think so because an addiction is specifically when it overrides your normal rational behaviour. Yeah. So I've been engaged, I've been kind of in the moment, caught yeah. up, don't get me wrong, I've even got to the point where I've decided, oh, I better stop spending money now. It's not quite the same 
as being genuinely addicted. Have you been obsessed with a oh, game? Oh, obsessed is a hard term, though, isn't it? It's, um, yeah. This is, the, this is the point I wanted to do. Is I, I don't know all the answers. Yeah. But I think we, it's about time we had a grown-up talk, talk about yes. it. Yes. And there is a sort of scale between the point where, I, oh, I just want that bit of chocolate or I want to play that game. Yeah and being able to disengage. Do you think that games can condition a certain kind of behavior? Well, this is the thing. is that A lot of talk about Skinner boxes. So uh, BJ... Uh, sorry, BF... I always forget the acronym, but, you know, the initials. BF Skinner yeah. uh, talks about the Skinner box, and this is... Uh, well, uh, he didn't like to call it the Skinner box. It was named for him. But in that case, you have your rat, and they're pressing the buttons, and you're changing the way they get food out of the buttons. But you're controlling everything about the experience. And if you look at the kind of stuff that we do every day, you're going to see an advert. You're going to see some kind of legal thing you're supposed to do. You have some sort of game. You've got all these things which are attempting to condition your behavior all the time. But what you do as as a, a human being is you find the optimum output for you. I mean, that's reducing it to really simple terms. But, you know, we're finding what's best for us. That's not manipulation. Yes. Well, it is manipulation, but human beings who are not vulnerable can deal with it. Yeah. And that's the thing I, think I find really frustrating is where we, we're using these kind of terms that we used to think was good. So I play an addictive game. That's brilliant. This game's addictive. Yay. Well, now, no, no, this game's addictive. That's terrible. Well, we're not using the right terminology. Let's, let's work out what the language you should use and let's be sensitive to what the science tells us. And I think we're constantly learning and there needs to be more studies on this, of course, but even behavioural addiction isn't really deeply understood yet. There's some really good papers out there about whether we're addicted to a, a game or internet uh, or online pornography or gambling. In fact, gambling is the only one that's actually properly recognised. But I think there's still lots of research to be done. And I want to just encourage an open debate. And uh, that's what my talk's going to be about on Friday. That's really interesting. Yeah. Right, good luck with the talk tomorrow, Oscar. Enjoy the rest of GDC. Steve, Cara, um, have you enjoyed the show? Yeah, I've had a really good time so far, yeah. I I so far, it's yeah. about to end. Yeah, well, I the, mean... The radio show rather than GDC. <laughs> the radio <No>. show? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what why this is, I, Cara. Why, why, would I, why would I enjoy a radio show? Yeah, that's true. Right? It's, Thank it's, you. it's work. Thank you very much for listening. Are we going to be back with another one, Steve? We will be back tomorrow. Um, until then, bye-bye. see you later, bye.